Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I am once again joined with Peter Witham, host of Compile Swift for our annual WWDC Hoopla Part <laughs> 2, Section 4, Year 22, State of the Union piece. So before we begin, if you did not listen to it, we already talked about the keynote. Go to Peter's podcast, CompileSwift.com, and check out that episode first if you want the user-friendly version of what we're about to talk today. Peter, I'll let you introduce yourself before we get started. Great. Thank you. Hello, Leo, and hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, I am Peter Widom. You probably know me as Compile Swift at CompileSwift.com and all over the place. And of course, uh, my yearly gathering with, with Leo you know, Apple does this just for us when we appreciate it. But I make apps and try to spread knowledge far and wide. And that's that's what I do. All right. Before we get started, give me your overall, in one sentence, describe the State of the Union. A good year for developers, probably. That's, that's fair. I, I try to keep it as, as short. Why do you say good year? Why do you say good year for developers? And then why do you say probably? Yeah. <laughs> where does the positivity come from? And then where does the hesitation come from? So the positivity comes from, as I was watching State of the Union, every other time it seemed to be someone would say new API, which is always a good thing. Um, so that's where the, mm-hmm. the, the positive side comes from. And just from some of the things that I've seen, the cautious side comes from that thing of, okay, but now I need to spend the following days reading the small print that Apple didn't tell us about. So that that's kind of my two sides. Or watching Xcode crash when you try <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Or like you follow the tutorial and it works fine, but then when you want to change that one little thing and Xcode crashes and you get like the blue screen of death or whatever on your Mac OS Ventura machine. Be wary of... Uh, the tutorial that says, and at this point, Xcode should crash and you need to reopen it, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I built this great smoothie app and then I added avocados and it, the whole app just crashed. Darn you, fr- Fruita, Fruita app. Yeah, yeah. Well, this year we moved on to an unhealthy donut, didn't we? So, you know. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This year for the charts and everything was it was was a donut. I'm like, huh, this is a step backwards. <laughs> it's just like we're so sick of like staying at home all the time and just want donuts. Yeah, I don't need any more smoothies, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, first thing I want to mention is we finally got pricing and availability for Xcode Cloud. Um, and Peter, it was good. Th- what did you think? What do you think of the price? Okay, so first of all, I will say thank you, Apple. You did give us a free tier, sort of. Um, because I really didn't expect there to be one. So that's good, right? Now, interestingly, I do want to say here, as we were doing, as, as they were talking about Xcode and the Xcode Cloud the, in the State of the Union, that was when I got the email to tell me that essentially, don't worry about your application for the beta that we never gave you. We're now just going to give you the full thing. But I think the tiers are good. I feel that it's a structured approach that does work out for essentially the independent developer and then stepping up through the levels. Because I think, would it be fair to say for any company on any plans, but for something like this, those higher levels are really pointed at 
essentially bigger companies that will pay those tiers, right? While we're talking, I'm like pulling up my GitLab account because I'm like curious how many hours, because I know I use more than 25 hours a month. Let's see, where am I? Activity? No, where's like my account? And so we should say that, that yes, the, the free plan from Apple is 25 hours a month up until I think it was it uh, December of 23, I think it was. December of 2023. So uh, basically like 18 months. Yeah. So that is certainly enough time to figure out whether you want to use this thing or not. But will the free one go away after that? That's a question. So I have used 275 minutes. In June. Sorry, in that's June only or up until June? No, June until today. So, okay. like, I mean, I, I run the pipeline quite a bit, but, like, I don't know. Like, that's a, 25 hours per month is not a lot of time. Unless these things are, like, really fast, and maybe this is faster than my fast lane build, that... I'm not, I don't think that's going to get you a lot. Like, I'm just kind of skeptical about that. Just knowing how many minutes I, oh, that's like minutes. That's yeah. Minutes. minutes. Yeah. Gosh. So, so uh, I should use the math. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to divide so, it? 275 <laughs> divided by 60 is four hours. So yeah, 25 hours a month. That should be plenty. Cut that. Cut that. Change that. I meant <laughs> to say, wow, 25 hours per month is a lot. Yeah. No, that is a Isn't lot. Isn't that yeah. fantastic? Okay. Yeah. No, it, yeah. I mean, that should, in theory. I think what the recommended thing people would have to do here is take your longest building app, put it up there and see what it takes, right? Yeah, right, right. And, like, like so for me, like, the whole thing with Xcode Cloud, as cool as it is, is, like, I, I don't want to be locked into anything. Like, that's the thing that scares me. It's the same thing with, like, web hosting, where it's like, oh, yeah, just throw it up on Amazon or throw it up on whatever google or whatever like i just want to like i don't want to be in a locked in system and like the benefit of something like fastlane for instance is that like i don't have to like be on apple's thing i could go to gitlab i could go to github i could i don't know does bitbucket work i don't know do they, i don't even know if they have pipelines now but anyways point being is like i don't want to be locked into any system and then be dependent on it kind of in the same way with web hosting so like that's that's more of my hesitation with Xcode Cloud. I think if you're starting off, I think it's great. I think you should definitely like if you haven't don't have anything, I think it's better than nothing. But like, yeah, it is the I am locked into a system and I can't get out of it. Whereas if I go with something like GitLab or GitHub and then hook up Fastlane, then like I have all those I have the benefits and the versatility of being able to take my stuff anywhere. Well, the other option here, of course, would be that you you go get you know, one one of these services that'll offer you a Mac or or whatever, probably a Mac is what you're going to want for this, and you build your own, right? But you'll still be locked into whatever software you put on there. Right, right. So that's what I do. I have GitLab, and then I use I I we talked last episode. I bought a Mac Mini. It's like it was like five hundred, six hundred bucks. I don't know. Like that's not a lot for for a Mac, and I use that for my CI stuff. And like it's awesome. It's a great setup, and it's like that doesn't use any minutes, any of my minutes, because it's my machine, and all I have to do is run the GitLab runner, and I'm good to go. So, well, you know, that's yeah. actually a good point. If you that that that's actually a different way to think about this too. If you can calculate 
what you think, you know, how many minutes would I use right now based on what I've built or will build? Extrapolate that over a year. Maybe the cheaper option is go buy yourself a Mac mini, put it in a cupboard somewhere at home and yeah, do the math, do your own thing. And, and like you and I have said, you still got a Mac to use for other things at that point. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You haven't used Xcode Cloud, have you? Nope. They still didn't give me an invite, and now they just tell me it's there. So I will be trying it. Okay. Well, yeah. um, when eventually we'll be talking about it. Yeah, I do know someone who has used it. And actually, they said okay. it, it, their sort of their review was, yeah, it worked out good. It was straightforward. And I really don't feel I have a use for it. So that was straight from someone who was using it for regular builds. But I, okay. yeah, I, I, I think you and I will probably definitely be having a future conversation of now that we've both used it. What do we, what do we think of this? You know, because I want to try it out for sure. Yeah. Hey, folks, I wanted to let you know about Swift Remote Studio. I don't know about yourself, but I've been feeling pretty isolated the last two years working from home and not being able to find a common co-working space that I can join others. Well. If you're looking for something like that, then Swift Remote Studio might be the right fit for you. This virtual co-working space is focused on developers and designers in this space of iOS, Mac, and other Apple Swift development environments. You can get connected and get focused by meeting others in this community. We can help one another out, get motivated, and create new friendships, all working together swiftly. There's virtual co-working silent co-working, community spaces, a job board, some member discounts as well, and community events that you'll want to take advantage of. Use the code EMPOWER15 to get 15% off any of the plans, and there's a variety of plans available to you. Swift Remote Studio is definitely a great opportunity, and I highly recommend that you check it out. Evan Stone, host of iOS Dev Break, has really put a lot of work into this, and I think this is going to be a great way to collaborate with other folks who develop in this environment. So please go ahead, use the code EMPOWER15 to get 15% off any of the variety of membership plans that are available through Swift Remote Studio and join. Once you've joined, tag me, message me, and let me know. I'd love to see you there and collaborate with folks like me and Evan. Thank you so much to Swift Remote Studio for sponsoring today's episode. So one of the big things I noticed, they talked about, I think it was like visions and platforms section Mm -hmm. or visions for platforms. They, it was interesting how they called out like old technologies. And what I mean by that is they specifically talked about how like we used to do things with Objective-C and Interface Builder and UIKit and AppKit. And they're here to stay, but the future, <laughs> it, like they made it absolutely clear, oh, as yeah. clear as they could, that Swift UI and Swift and I don't know what else they talked about. Did they mention Swift Package Manager? I, they did, but I don't know if they, they mentioned did. the future. But like they did clearly say like, this is the old stuff. And we'll t- we can talk about the talks. There are a couple talks. There's actually one talk that mentions Objective C, surprisingly enough. But it's like, oh, compiling apps in Objective C and C and C plus plus and etc. It's like yeah. not really like focused on Objective C, but like <laughs> it definitely is like it's. It, it, I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. This is the old stuff. This is the new stuff. The old stuff's not going away, but it is the old stuff. That definitely is the impression I got from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Previous years, 
they've tried to give the very subtle. Do you remember when we went? They tried to move us all away before they said new devices were coming, and they're like, "Hey, you shouldn't build for specific screen size anymore." But we don't want to say why. And then, so we've had that kind of thing for a couple of years, right? The hey, Swift is mature, Swift UI isn't, but you really should think about that. This year was clearly, look, we're giving you one last chance, <laughs> right? Right. Switch over before we tell you, you must now switch. And in a way, it was funny because they did say, you know it's bad when they say like, oh, Objective-C and that's not going away, but really we don't want you to please stop using it, you know? Right. Right, exactly, exactly. It is interesting, and and don't get me wrong. You know, as someone who loves Swift and and is embracing Swift UI and getting to like it more, it's good to hear. But at the same time, I know that I still have Objective C apps that I have to work on. You know, so any company based app or something like that, it's not going to go away overnight. It's still going to be around for a while. But I guess we're probably at that point where we won't be getting those yearly, like we've done this for Objective-C anymore. Do you know what I mean? We're not getting another Objective-C talk. We're not getting Exactly. Like last year, at least last year, with with group activities slash share play, we did not get a new API for Objective-C. Widget Kit, which we'll talk about later, is another big thing this year. That was never in Objective-C because it's based on SwiftUI. I mean, there's a ton of new APIs in the last few years that are totally dedicated to that are totally dedicated to Swift and Swift exclusively. Oh, it's yeah. totally where they want you to go. And, and I get it. I, and I think that it's probably about time, right? You know, I think we all look at it. It's like if we think about when we're working on our own apps and you say to yourself, do I have to do another year of legacy support? And I don't think it's unfair to say at some point, look, we're not going to kill off Objective-C, but we're not going to actively develop it either, right? I mean, I get right. it. So stay tuned if you're interested in migrating your Objective-C code. Stay tuned. I have a project I'm working on. So oh. I just want to let you know, seriously. Interesting. Uh, All right. I, I do think I do think that there's an audience of folks who are interested in getting off of Objective-C. Oh, like, like purposefully getting up to, off of Objective C. So yep. stay tuned. It's definitely in my it's in definitely in my radar to, to put out some stuff on that. Great. If you actually if you could just come around to my office and rewrite my stuff for me, that'd be great. You know, just save me the trouble. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I'm looking at the videos. They put out the videos already. Not the videos, but the titles, right? The the titles. Uh, yeah, I was looking through. There is not a there is not an Objective C uh talk, but there is a C talk, funny enough. Simplify C++ templates with concepts. So like, which I guess is a C++ 20 thing. C++ does, does update every so often. So yeah, that Java yeah, developers. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason I had thought that there was an Objective-C talk was because one of the Q&A, either their digital lounge on Slack or their related labs is C, C++, Objective-C, compiler, analyzer, sanitizer, debugger, and linker lab. So that's why I thought there was something related to Objective-C, but it's just, Objective-C is just like lumped with all these big, massive old languages that people still write libraries for, um, and for good reason, no complaints. I'm just saying, it's like, it's not really highlighted. Yeah, they should really just abbreviate the name of that talk to the other stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> this This is the other stuff session, you know, yeah. 
Well, I don't want to get into I don't want to get into AppKit and UI kit. Yeah. We'll get into that when we talk about Swift UI. But I do want to talk about they did talk about server APIs. Uh, yeah. This so Apple has had server APIs for like store, was it like store uh store kit, right? Or not at store kit, but whatever, app store. There's the stuff we talked about Fastlane. There's the stuff that Fastlane hooks up to. There's the store kit stuff that you can hook up to and have what's it called? Not what's it called when you call somebody a webhook. Oh yeah, webhook. Yeah. And they have had there's cloud kit has its JS library, music kit has its JS library. But these these were specifically mentioned in the uh the State of the Union. We had uh Weather Kit, which Novell had talked about, which is obviously comes from their buyout of what's what's their face? I forgot the name of the weather app. Do you remember? Dark Sky? Dark Sky, that's the one. I was gonna say carrot. Is it, okay. The other one. Yeah, but Dark Sky's right, right. Yeah. And MapKit, MapKit server API for geocoding and stuff like that. So that I thought was really cool um, that they're realizing that maybe we do need a solid server API. I mean, there are a services company now, right? They, they are. They're, they're very much. They don't just sell episodes. They don't just sell episodes of uh, that soccer show and the one with the, with oh, the brain uh, thing. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Ted, Ted Lasso uh, and Severance. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. They do yeah. more. They do more services than that. So. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think of those? I thought it was interesting that, like you say, it got a mention in the State of the Union, not because these things aren't important, but perhaps just the opposite. They now feel they're important enough to mention in the State of the Union. Because, for example, you mentioned the MapKit one. Um, I did a MapKit application this year and was very pleasantly surprised how very straightforward it was to work with it. So I, for one, am actually pretty excited to see some of these other ones, like the weather one, for example. I mean, of course, we'll now see another, you know, million weather apps. But the fact that they're recognizing, okay, you know, more of these services APIs from their service, I would much rather call these services from Apple than, you know, some random place on the internet, right? So I think it's a good thing. I think it's good to see it in there. Maybe this is a sign. I would also like to be hopeful and say, ooh, are you now going to be doing more Swift server-based stuff? You know, I know you're a big fan of that, um, you know, Vapor and all those kind of things. Right. And I'd love to see Apple do some more of that to point out to folks who may not be aware that, you know, things like Swift and that, no, there are service-like components to these things. And I think that this services is a good way to get people used to that idea. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's a great, great way. I mean, I used to be a big developer of map apps pre-iPhone, I guess. The old virtual earth, whatever the Microsoft thing is oh, called, because they kept changing the yeah. name. So yeah, I, know, I know map stuff pretty well. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I know map yeah. stuff pretty well. So it's like, um, it's really good to see that MapKit continue to mature there. Anything else on the survey API stuff? No, I think it's just good to see it right up there in the forefront for folks who may not even be aware of these things to start looking into them and asking questions rather than a secondary thought of, oh yeah, we do some server stuff. You know, it's always good to see those things brought to the front. Right. You know, of course, some of these, like you say, were through acquisitions. But either way, the fact that Apple recognizes them enough to put them in the State of the Union, I feel is important. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Have you done any development with like shortcuts or app intents or Siri or any of that stuff? I've done some shortcuts. I, I sort of played around with the shortcuts a little bit. And, and okay. I waited until it, you know, we got it on the Mac last year. 
because I really, you know, my thing was always, look, I love using them on my iPad and on my iPhone. I hate building them okay. on the iPad and the iPhone. Yeah. So the fact that I could do it on the Mac was like, okay, now I'm going to take this seriously. And with some of the newer things that we're going to talk about later on, shortcuts is now becoming more and more important because it's going to be that much easier for developers to to make their apps work with shortcuts with very little to no pain. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's something I'm very interested in. They've had that, what is it, NS user activity stuff out for quite a while as a way to do like kind of continuity between different operating yeah. systems using the same yeah. app. You know, the thing where I flip my wrist, I see the calendar, and all of a sudden the calendar with the little watch icon shows up on my Mac, right? Like that kind of thing. And I, I've never del- dabbled with it, but it sure seems like it would spend super important. And I just haven't had like time to invest in it. And like, I feel like Apple's like, guys, come on, use this. This is really <laughs> important for the future. Yeah. You need to, you need to implement it. We're going to make it even easier for you to implement it with things like this, this new as a app intense API. Is that what it yeah, is? That's it. App intense. Uh, was it app intense API app intense something? Yeah. Right. But yes. Right. Yeah. And and I think that that's a very interesting step forward because, yeah, if, if you can remove the pain for people to set this up in their apps, they're absolutely more likely to do it, right? And and I know um, some folks with apps who have great apps, and I often say to them, it's like, oh, I just wish you'd, you'd make this accessible in shortcuts and I can automate this stuff, right? Because that's that's kind of one of my things too. And I think over time now, as it becomes easier, a lot of folks are looking to automate things or or play around with this. And and you and I were speaking previously about some email and, and and moving it around the system and everything else. This would be great to do all of this through shortcuts with these API intents and, and so on. Yeah. So let's get into the bulk of the stuff coming out with Swift. I think this is going to be five seven that comes out with Xcode fourteen. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny about Swift stuff is like, not so much Swift UI, but Swift for sure. Like if you've been following like various proposals and how those have flowed, like this stuff has been in development. So of all the things that Apple reveals, this is the thing that like, it's kind of been public knowledge for a while, but now we get to actually see these cool presentations and sessions on it and it's coming to Xcode. But we've got the first one I wanted to talk about that they mentioned was regex. And like, we finally have robust regular expression support in Swift. That's not like the janky objective C NS regular expression stuff that we've had for a while. Do you want to, do you want to talk about that? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This actually made me happy because I am, not the world's worst at regex, but I'm definitely not some kind of guru. And I know that a lot of the time I end up writing a lot of code for things that regex could do for me. But up until now, it has always felt like I got to jump over 10 hurdles to, to get to the last three, you know, whereas, okay, and then I got it working, you know, but now having regex support directly in Swift, I actually think is probably a bigger deal than it seems to me right now. Because, yes, you know, like even the the brief examples they gave in the State of the Union, immediately, hopefully, people saw it and realized this is actually a very important deal to have this in there. So many people write stuff via regex in other languages, and now we can finally do it as a kind of a 
a, a sensible sort of first user experience as opposed to, a, a, like you say, a bunch of janky code to kind of make it work and this and everything else. Just give it to us like you have. Like anytime I have to put an implicit optional, I feel like <laughs> implicit or explicit. And I always get those two confused. Anytime I have to put an exclamation mark and it's not a not, then that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once you, once you have to start, like if you stand on your left foot and wave your right, I might figure out if this is any good as a regular expression. Now it's just going to tell you. And perhaps more importantly, let's not forget, it's going to give you, it's going to, it's going to highlight in Xcode in the editor, how this is working for you. So if you're having problems writing the regular expression. Yeah. When he was showing that off, I'm like, that's awesome. That is awesome. That's what we need. Yeah, no more going to these websites and having to paste in examples and regex and see if it works. Just do it in Xcode, you know. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, if they could only add that for date formatting, that'd be great. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be heaven? <laughs> Next year, right? They'll be like, we gave you regex. What more do you want? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. We'll give you a date formatter, but unfortunately, you have to use our AR class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll live with that. <laughs> so regex, and then have you played around with the any? Is it the any keyword? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do, and I I really I finally got it. Like I I haven't touched it yet, but I finally got it when he was like, oh, you know how you have to like put, use where statements in order to specify a specific type. It's like oh, you you just use any now. It's like oh, well that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's funny because I thought that I was doing things, <laughs> I don't want to say wrong, but, you know, it was like, I thought I, I must be wrong when I'm putting in any, because it's like saying, I don't know. So just make it any, <laughs> right? Turns out right. maybe I wasn't as wrong as I thought I was. So you're quite right. It's like, <laughs> oh, I think I get it now. You know, when you feel like you've been slapping yourself on the wrist and now you realize that you really didn't need to. It's you just needed someone to tell you it was okay. Right. You know. <laughs> so so yeah, I haven't used it a lot other than because it's my go-to kind of like, I don't know. If I put any, does it make the compiler happy? Yes, it does. Okay, I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah, I I'm so used to doing it the other way that I don't think I would use any because I know how to do it now. But if you're a new developer, use any. Like it's just so much easier to understand what the heck is going on. Well, it always felt like it was kind of that thing of like don't force unwrap the optional but yet everybody force unwraps the optional you know it's right, like right exactly it's like exactly. everybody uses the any but nobody says that they use any you know? <laughs> <laughs> right nice what else do you want to talk about that's new to swift well um you know there is the the async algorithms which i'm not sure i fully get because i i haven't really used the async await too much other than playing with it, only because I knew that it was something I couldn't really implement into the apps that I work on yet because of, you know, the OS versions that it worked with. But that said, this year, now that we're two versions into, you know, essentially 15, 16, and it's going to be okay, acceptable to use a sync await. So this async algorithms has me curious. Uh, have you looked at this at all? I mean, the TLD TLDR is, it's, async functional programming, right? So like where you, you would use like map or reduce or compact map, flat map, whatever. You now have an async away 
to execute that and take advantage of all the processors as opposed to doing it single process, like single threaded, right? Yeah. Like, okay, let's grab four items out of the array. Let's do whatever operation. Like, let's grab seven items out of the array at the same time because Leo has a Mac Studio with a M1 Ultra. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's kind of the idea is like now you can do a bunch of items simultaneously in an array at the same time and save you a bunch of, save you a bunch yeah. of time and energy, I guess. Right, sort of a, a save yourself some calculation time and reduce the risk that you're going to foolishly lock up your UI. You know? Right, or at least do it uh, the most optimal yeah. way, right? So Yeah, yeah. So anytime that they, if they can provide us a library of just standard things, great. I'm all, I'm all for that, you know. I have no doubt that the Apple engineers know way better about optimizing this stuff than I do. So I'm happy to use what they write. You know. They just go next door to the people who make the chips and be like, hey, is this the right way to do it? It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no. Yeah, they know. You just throw another core in there, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's when you know it's bad, right? When they're like, we've got a core for machine learning. We've got a core for for loops. We've got a, a core for for each. We've got a core for live preview on Xcode. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's at least a five core deal right there. <laughs> yeah. And 12 yeah. cores for, for teams. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else regarding Swift before we jump into Swift UI? No, I think that, you know, the, the part of the, the interesting thing is because of the Swift language now being separate, essentially from yearly releases, a lot of the time we, like you mentioned, we know about a lot of these things as we get here and it's sort of Apple just giving it an official seal of approval. So, you know, anytime we see these kind of additions to Swift, I think they're, they're a good thing. Hey, folks, I want to let you know about one of my favorite sponsors of the show, AppFigures. AppFigures is the leading platform for app makers to track and grow their apps. It's packed with tools for reporting, optimization, and competitive intelligence. You want to know what your competitors are doing, and maybe there's some lessons there to learn. AppFigures is going to teach you how to get your app noticed in the App Store. We all want to make great apps, but if nobody notices, it's not worth your time and money. They have some great ways to stay on top of numbers, whether it's Apple or Google Play, if you have any Android apps. They help you guide you on what you can do to get your app noticed in the App Store. They bring in all sorts of core metrics as well. So if you do anything with MRR or churn and you want to know what's going on, definitely take a look at what AppFigures has to offer. Ariel has a really great YouTube channel and newsletter you should check out. This Week in Apps. He posts some of the latest news and latest trends in the App Store because we all know not only do your customers change, but App Store rules change all the time. So you're going to want to check that out. He also does some live keyword takedowns as well. Definitely check that out on their YouTube channel as well to see how your app maybe could improve the way it lists out different keywords. If you're not sure where to get started in analyzing subscriptions, go ahead and check out their guide as well and head to appfigures.com to start a trial. If you like it, take some time right now. Go to appfigures.com and use the special code EMPOWER3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. There's no reason for you not to try this out. So this is what I want you to do. After you listen to this, try out AppFigures, use the special code EMPOWER3030, and get 30% off so you can see how to get your app noticed in the App Store. Thank you so much to Ariel and AppFigures for sponsoring today's episode. Okay, Swift UI. Yes, my favorite. The first thing I want to talk about is so we had Widget was Widget Kit two years ago? That's 20, 2020. 
iOS. Maybe one. No, maybe it was two. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be two. Yeah, could be. Yes, because of the watch. So right? Widget because, Kit yeah. definitely felt like it was built with the knowledge that they've built up from custom complications on the watch. It's essentially Absolutely. custom complications on the phone. That's a, that's essentially what it is. It has a timeline. It has all the same, nearly the same API, right? So now it seems like they're merging the two together. And basically you can build complications, correct me if I'm wrong, audience members, using Widget Kit, right? Like, so now you could just use the same API for building complications and building widgets on the home screen, which I think is really nice. Yep. And like complications are really hard to make. And I think there's a bigger audience of people who know how to make widgets because there's a bigger audience of people making iPhone apps for hundreds of reasons. So, I mean, for me as a watch developer, I've never built a complication. I never felt the need to, but I don't know. I'm, I'm like 10, 2%, 10% more interested in building a complication. If I can find the right watch app for it. Like it seems like it's a little bit easier now with, with widgets. People love building widgets. So I don't know. I'm in the right like direction, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's my take on it too. Right. I think, I think we kind of maybe sensed a bit of this was coming once we got, we finally got our widgets on the home screen for iOS that, okay, we're going to see some, some steps forward in this over the years, hopefully this being one of those years. And I think anytime you have something like widget kit where, you know, a developer can essentially learn once, deploy many. Right in 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 many mm-hmm, ways, mm-hmm. the the watch right. and the, the iPhone, and especially with the changes to the iPhone home screen, you know as well. Yeah, widgets are going to be an important thing. I think if you want to have a really, I don't want to say successful or popular, but if you want people to get the most from your app, whether it's on the watch, on the iPhone, or whatever, uh, you really have to start taking widgets seriously at this point. And so, yeah, give me a widget kit. I can learn it once. Kind of like the Swift UI thing. And of course, part of that being this, again, this whole, well, you got to do it with Swift UI. Okay, great. But then if you're going to solve a lot of the problems for me under the hood, then absolutely I'll do that and start making widgets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Especially with some of the Swift UI stuff we'll probably talk about shortly as well that we get this year. Well, I guess speaking of, so we got, we talked about in the previous part of the keynote, you got a new lock screen. Lock screen now has widgets on it. Uh, lock screen also has this idea of live activities. Now, I'm really curious about this API because if you know anything about widgets and complications, it, you're supposed to kind of give them the information ahead of time. How is that? Work? I'm really curious how that works with a li- live activity. Like, is there some sort of notification system if, like, a score changes and then it updates the screen properly? Like, I'm really curious about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, on the surface as I look at it, there's got to be some kind of polling that goes on in the background at maybe set intervals or you get to set the interval. Because, yes, the only other way would be the widget would have to be listening for notifications of changes and then update itself, which... I guess depending on what the widget is as to which one is the more power friendly, certainly it would seem like don't do anything until you've got the notification. But there are some instances where you're going to want a more, I don't want to say real time, but you know, not every couple of minutes update, right? Like especially if it's an um, 
and at, at like a you know if you're if you're going crazy with trying to complete your circles for your you know uh, activities or something like that you're going to want to see that a lot more regular than you're going to want every minute or something like that so it'd be interesting to get into the details of that and see what options we have for updating those quote live widgets right certainly for me i i can tell you now i was happy because i thought oh i finally can stop having to open and refresh web pages to see when my food's going to get delivered <laughs> right immediately i'm like that that is a one widget that's going on my home screen straight away <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i mean it is it's really useful to have that on there i mean it makes a lot of sense absolutely so. absolutely yeah and especially too if you can you know i mean I, I guess it's a marginal use case but i could see that maybe you might want to use that for some custom third-party messaging app if you didn't want to go the notification route or something i don't know but be interesting to see i think this is going to be one of those where you got to let the developers play for for a little while Right. see all the things that nobody thought of. That's a really good point, though, because you have notifications. There are use cases where notifications simply aren't enough and you need streaming data. And I think that's where that makes sense. Now, how far can you take that? Can you put a video in that box? I'm not so sure they'd let you do that because they don't. They want to save battery. Um, because if in some future iPhone that has no off screen, then that would suck battery like crazy. So I'm sure there's like frame rate limitations and things like that to it. But oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. And this yeah, is clearly point. what they learned. You know, that you and I were talking about this earlier about taking what right. they've learned from the watch to the phone, from the phone to the watch, from the, the phone to the Mac and, and Mac to the phone and so on. This is a good example of one of those, I think. You and I were talking about this earlier. It's like, well, this is this must be, you know, where the the always-on iPhone screen is going to go, right, for these widgets. So I think you're absolutely right. And that's why it'll be interesting to see what details we have for that. Maybe if if I had been sensible enough to have looked into widgets on the iPhone, uh, sorry, on the watch, I may have realized already how this was going to work. Now I feel like I need to go back and look at that, you know. But I think that there's a good opportunity. What I'm worried about is with the note, like with notifications, apps abusing this. I hope there's some kind of rules in place. How would you abuse it? Because you can just remove it, right? Or disable it or remove it. Well, you could, yes, you could. That's a good point. You can remove it. But what, you know, I'm thinking a widget that I want to have and I need to have for something. And then next thing you know, it starts getting, you know, being used for things that it didn't need to be used for. Like, for example, I'm sure we've all experienced this now, notifications on your phone and on your Mac and everything for just the most ridiculous things, you know. And it's like, this is never meant to be designed for this. And I got an option. I either live with it or I turn it off. But I have legitimate use cases I want it on. You know where I could see it be worse is like, what if oh. you had a live activity on an app and they're like, you need this live activity enabled. If you don't enable it, you don't get 25% off at so-and-so oh, store. Don't even like, suggest that to people. You know, you, yeah. <laughs> I guess Apple yeah. wouldn't allow that crap, but like you could see somebody trying to sneak that through. 
Yeah. All right, folks, just for the record, it was Leo that said that. You can blame him. I had no business being involved with that suggestion. <laughs> Somebody else would come up with that idea. Don't worry about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple of things in SwiftUI. We have this here, new APIs. I've not had the chance to look at one, which we talked about in the last episode with Majid that he wanted. And it seems like we kind of are moving in that direction was this idea of like a compositional layout. Um, He put that he had that on his wish list and he called it. Um, And well, the two things that we called out compositional layout and SwiftUI navigation, but I want to cover the compositional layout side of it. Do you understand what exactly what we're getting? Cause it seems really powerful and Majid explained it um, pretty darn well. And it seems like it's kind of like, it seems like the declarative way of doing a collection view where it's essentially not like just grid, but I think it's called grid essentially, but like you could really like say, I want a four by four here, a one by one there, a two by two here, you know, and then you could like arrange arrange the the layout in a much more, I don't know, robust fashion, kind of like what we can do with collection views now. Right. I mean, I, I actually saw it as I, I took it as two separate things. I took the grid as being, you know, basically a new layout component that we have, which I'm fantastically excited to see because that applies to so many apps, right? The especially, you know, ones with data. I mean, the grid is gonna be fantastic. And then this compositional kind of custom one, which maybe I misunderstood an audience, please let us know. If I'm right, I think it, I almost feel like I can't be right because it's too good, which is a complete custom layout to do whatever we want, which would be living the dream, right? I mean, what that, that would be fantastic. But I almost can't believe it because it's like, how did you pull that off? You know, I'd love to see a session that says this is how we fi- made this happen because that would be fascinating. You know? Well, we don't have that session, but we do have a session on if I can copy the link. But there is Compose Custom Layouts with SwiftUI that should be out on the eighth. But that'll break that down uh, pretty pretty intensely, I would imagine, more so than stacks, grids, and outlines. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, Grid's pretty self-explanatory, right? We've we've all seen Grid's on other platforms and how sort of that works. Extremely useful. This whole compositional custom thing, I think this could be a whole, if it does work, as I understand it, this could be a whole new level of, of UI um, experience, you know. And, and immediately I thought of a few things that's like, oh, this is something I've always wanted to do in an app. So be interesting to see, but I really want to dive into that and, and see. Be interesting to see as well what the human interface guidelines has to say about that, being something that could be that open-ended. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I certainly didn't see that one coming. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been talking about how I've been doing a lot of like um, – what do you call it? Web development and how much I like it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, especially with Tailwind. And like, oh, like yeah. jumping in Swift UI, I just feel like I'm having a fight. And, you know, if they can give me a way to do what I want to do and design it multi-platform in a responsive way, that would be awesome. So Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Tailwind user as well. You know, now that you mention it and I think about it. This is almost a hybrid kind of next level flex grid approach, if you want to think about it 
in those terms um, right. from Webb. Right. That's exactly which, what I think. Yeah. Which is what a fantastic thing to have. I mean, that would be phenomenal, you know. Right. Um, so the other thing that I'm not as hopeful on, just based on what I've seen so far, is the new navigation stuff. I don't understand. Yeah. I haven't looked at it just based on tweets there. I don't, it doesn't, there's a talk called Swift UI cookbook for navigation. It doesn't seem like there's too much, like it isn't still quite as powerful as people would want it to be. It's kind of what it looks like to me. I don't like, I just don't get that impression. And I don't honestly, we don't have a talk on navigation. So it's all like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to see, but I, I don't think we're getting a lot in navigation. Yeah, no, I I got all excited because I'll give you an example here. And because I, I thought at first, oh, this may solve a problem for me. And that's fantastic. Uh, so the scenario would be this. I worked on an app recently. You know, you have the login screen where you don't want any navigation, right? They either successfully log in or they don't. But after that, I want to go to a tabbed navigation. Um. And that's all well and good going in that direction. But then when you want to log out or you log someone out and you've got to go back out of that tabbed navigation back to a single view, things get a little complicated. And so I, I got all excited with this new navigation. And then, like you say, as I read a little bit, I was like, okay, maybe I've given it too much credit because I'm not understanding what it's really giving me here beyond what I already have. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it, haven't got enough into it. I wonder though, if something like this, and then it doesn't get a session, you think to yourself, well, it can't be that big. You know, they don't feel the right. need to That's explain exactly it to us. Too. Yeah. Right. Right. So we'll see on that. Yeah. I was going to say, we, we may have to wait for the development communities, the awesome communities of developers out there to beat on this thing and then tell us what it does or, or, how or point think. free to just come out with a library for us that does what we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even better. Save me the trouble, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Swift UI charts. Uh, that looks awesome. Doesn't I'm it? really happy yeah. to see that. that that's going to be, I'm going to have a lot of fun with that, honestly. Oh, um, I there's thought a of lot you when I saw we can that. Do there. I thought, yeah, I saw this and I thought visual data stuff. Or, or our previous guest, Majid, who does a ton of great health apps. Like, this is, oh, this mm-hmm. is going to be his cup of tea. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say other than it's cool. I'm, like, looking forward to playing around with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, when they mentioned this, I, you know, this is one of those things I never even thought about. And as soon as they said it, I thought, this is perfect. Because uh, I'm going to go down memory lane here. I worked on a dashboard app back in Adobe Flex, if anyone remembers that. And Flex was like the still around, isn't it? I think it is in a different context, something like that. But I used it. I was using it to write a bit work on an enterprise level dashboard, and we had to buy a super expensive set of extra components for charts. But this became the thing that everyone wanted to look at because it was so cool looking, but also easy to use. And so when they said today about the charts, immediately I thought. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, think of any statistical app out there. Throw it in a chart, and I th- I was thinking of you, you know, Heartwitch, and um, you know, and I was thinking of, you know, like uh, some of the other apps, like any sleep app, you know, um, some of the David Smith's apps, you know, all those kind of thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are going to have a field day with this. 
and the charts. And now we're talking, and this was my other thing too. I thought, wait a minute, if you can make this work on the server side with something like, say, Swift Vapor, or Vapor Swift, whichever one it is, and you can make that work, and we're now talking Swift-based charts in a Swift-based web app, I mean, now we're talking a whole other level of, of dashboards, you know. So I actually think <laughs> yeah, this is exactly. a way bigger deal than it looks on the surface. Plus, it it made for a great demo in the video on the iPad. I mean, it made a fantastic yeah. demo. <laughs> I mean, Apple knows yeah. their stuff when it comes to data visualization and like making it look good, and that's what's important with with specifically that kind of stuff, telling a story with data. Yep. Yep. Hey folks, it's that time of the year again. Conferences are starting up. We already just had the announcement for WWDC, but there's one developer conference I have talked about. This is probably the third year, and that's 360 iDev. It's a fantastic conference that you should definitely check out. It's had guests that we've had on the show, like Joe Chaplinski, Ben Chatelaine. We've even had the organizer, John Wilker, on the show just talking about conferences and and how they've gone uh, last year. It's a really good conference. I'm planning on going in person, regardless of whether I speak or not. And you should you should definitely do it too. They do have a remote option as well. And if you use the code Empower Apps, then you will get 20% off. So I highly recommend taking this opportunity right now. Go to 360iDev, get a ticket for the show as soon as you can, and get 20% off. It's in Denver or remote. It's up to you, whatever you want to do. There's going to be a great set of guests. I can guarantee that we've had some of those guests on. Folks like Ariel Michelli from App Figures and folks like Joe Chaplinski, Ben Chatelaine, and more. So take some time, go to 360iDev, and I am really looking forward. Let me know if you are going, because I am really looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks. Anything else developer-wise before we close out? I've already downloaded, just quickly, I just want to say I've downloaded Xcode on 14. Because there was one thing I just want to say, you know, and, and none of us have really got into the details of Xcode yet, but there was one thing that caught my attention in the State of the Union video that I thought was fantastic and, and so easily missed. Because maybe for most people, it's not a thing. For me, it's a thing. Did you notice as they were scrolling through code, how the function name was sticking at the top of the editor window? And no, so, that's oh, nice. Go back and check that because I, I'm okay. not kidding. I, gotta take a look I mean, how many times have we all been there? You're like, what function am I in? Where am I at? And I thought, oh my gosh, this is such a subtle little thing that can change my world. So I don't want to mention that. I'm sure there's a million other things in Xcode, but that was the one I saw in the in the State of the Union. And I thought, oh, yes. <laughs> So many videos coming out tomorrow. Um, oh, so many sessions. Have you gone through and started bookmarking yes, sessions? I marked, yeah, I, I marked way too many sessions, bookmarked them. Okay, how, here's a question for you. What? Mm-hmm. Actually, one other thing I want to talk about that they mentioned that I have no clue, but I know is a big deal, and a lot of people have been interested in this, especially in the surfer community. Distributed actors. Do you, do you have any idea how yeah. that stuff works? So you I do? Was, well, um, I'm not, you know, basically what they told us, if I interpreted it correctly in, in the State of the Union, and, and I, I'll, you know, I know they gave us actors before now, 
And I hadn't used them just because I I hadn't needed to, but I sort of grokked it a bit better when they said about the distributed actors. And I started in my brain separating these out. And again, like we were saying, the async await stuff, right? It's like, oh, yeah, wait, I can have, you know, it was one thing when they started saying about, okay, you've got these distributed actors and, and here they are and here's your, you know, here's one actor, think of it as a block and here's another actor and so on. And then they started saying about how actors can talk to each other. But also, perhaps more interestingly, is remote actors. And so you yes. can have an act, and that caught my attention. That, and I thought, yeah, that's a thing, you know. So what do you think on Tim that? Tim Condon, who's been on, and he helps manage the the Vapor Project along with that team, and and he uh, he's talked a lot about distributed actors. So I think he's been a big fan of it, and I think okay. folks like that yeah. are going to be really happy to see that. I'm really curious how it works out because I yeah. I, I haven't grokked actors. I get the idea, kind of, but I haven't really grokked it. And then I have yeah. not touched distributed actors at all. So, yeah. Now this felt like a thing that was a good excuse to go back and go. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to come up with some scenario where I need to use this to play with it because I know some of the live stream folks that I I like to watch their live streams and that, and we sort of hang out in each other's streams. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about in the coming days taking some of you know we should take these new APIs and play with them on a stream. And then I thought, oh, this is this, you know, distributed actors might be my thing because I can go in knowing yeah. absolutely nothing and then relate that to things that would be useful. So I'm very interested. And and you're quite right, on a server side, uh this if this can work on server side, might be a great way of keeping resource usage. I think they specifically mentioned that too. Ah, okay, cool. Then that that'd be great because now you can also yeah, you're not locking up things on the server and and probably using less resources, you know. So it's very interesting. And and maybe where that's going to take us in the future, you know, this may be the start of something else, right? Distributed whatever next. Right. I think I think it'll be interesting. What uh, what other any other quirky little API you're interested in looking at that you saw in the developer app that you might delve into? You know, I, I was going through here. Um, there are some APIs that I think, you know, I think, like I said at the beginning, I think we got a lot more this year than at least they mentioned in previous years. I think the messaging one is, is you know, uh, is an interesting one uh, to make sharing across devices and, and everything else and, and with people and kind of a collaboration. Feels like that's a, a new area of attention for them, right? This whole collaboration across devices. So the APIs there are going to be interesting to see how that works because you've got to figure that it's got to be open but sandboxed at the same time. So those will be interesting to read into. And I'm pretty sure there's, I think there were some sessions on that as well. So, yeah. So one thing that I saw that I'm, well, okay, a couple of things I'm interested in. Uh, I've been really deep diving into virtualization. There's a whole virtualization framework. I've tweeted about it a little bit, building a, a VM app, um, but they have a talk tomorrow, June seventh, on that. So I might see if there's anything new there. I think I booked Mark yeah. that one. There's one that was like a virtualization of Mac OS and Linux that one. or something exactly. like that. Yeah, and that framework is already out. It's been out since Apple Silicon's been out. So I'm curious what's new, if anything, this year. And I, and I must have completely missed it because I thought it was new. And and yeah. then I read, I'm like, oh, how did I miss this? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Stop giving me too many things, Apple. 
There's a meat transferable protocol. I, I don't know what that is, and I don't know what it means, but that's I'm curious what that has to do with. I think it has something to do with collaboration and, and stuff like that. Um, so that might be interesting. And then there was one other thing I wanted to mention before closing out. I don't know. I think actually that was it. I mean, I'm interested in building a Mac app. Oh. So I might look at some of the app kit talks that are coming out this year. There are app kit talks and figuring that that whole narrative and how that works with Swift UI and then anything with health and fitness, I'm, I'm going to be there. So. And I I could be wrong. I don't think you've what? made a Mac app so far, right? Or, or certainly not published one anyway. Well, speculative, but... Oh, that's, sorry. Yes. Well, I think of that as more of a command line zombie. utility because I'm... <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I'm a big fan of that, but from command line days. Eventually yeah. I'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this would be an interesting tie-in for you because you could write... So, so I'm going to set you a challenge. Here's what I'm going to do. What you know, you can take the data from your health rich app into a Mac OS app with the Swift UI charts, right? That's something. Oh, yeah, yeah, with hard twitch. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, think about it. That does sound about. cool, though. Yeah, something to think about. Something to yeah. think about. Okay, how about you? What talks are you looking at uh, this week? Oh, so many. So, actually, you know what? Give me one second here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off the list. I'm going to open up the developer app. So first of all, tr- I, I feel the need to confess and, and you know, get this, this, this off my shoulders. I have finally this morning, after the, the keynote, went through and, and unbookmarked all of the WWDC talks that I had bookmarked pre-2020. I had a few of them. They don't let you <laughs> multi-select. I want to multi-select and unbookmark them, and they won't let you. So mine are still in there. From last yeah. year. You had to do it one by one. That's a I did. Work. Yeah. And, and so, for example, I no longer feel the need to watch the one that says introducing Swift UI. I think, I, think I'm beyond that. <laughs> but let's see what my first one is advanced NS operations. What's new in core data? What's new in storyboards? Protocol oriented programming. This is all 20, 2015, 2016. So, yeah, fun stuff. iTunes Connect oh. development to distribution. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm looking at my oldest one here. My oldest one is, get this, I should just kill this off. This is one of those where it's like, because I've never watched it, June of 2016, protocol and value-oriented programming in UI kit apps. I should probably just remove that from the list. At Beautiful. Point, right? Beautiful. <laughs> but from this year, things that have caught my attention. So I'll go down sort of my list quickly here. A lot of, of course, a lot of the what's new in ones, you know, Swift, Mm-hmm. And all of those right. things, Xcode, particularly the Xcode one. But I do have some here. Um, sure enough, like you say, the virtual machines. Um, and I'm going to bring this up just briefly. Don't want to make this a big topic, but because I'm curious. And I think we spoke about this earlier. I tagged a few of the Unity ones because it's strange right. that that's a thing, you know. So I've mm-hmm. got those in there. But I do have, like you say, the Swift UI cookbook for navigation to try and unearth what this is about. See what they're doing there, yeah. Yeah, of course, the Meet Swift Regex. I mean, that's that's a given, you know. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's one that has me curious on the iPad, exactly what this means. Adopt desktop class editing interaction. Yeah, they're definitely pushing, like, 
desktop experience on the iPad. So yeah, that's part of that narrative. So I want to see what that's about. Of course, the charts won. The weather kit won because, I mean, it's just a great API, right? You know, let's see. Uh, there is one that has me curious, and maybe you've looked into this, got more details. It's like, what is that even about? Get to know developer mode. Did you see that one? Yes, I saw that. Yeah, apparently on your iPhone. Meet you've developer got mode on. required on iOS 16, iPad 16, Watch 9 to install, run, and debug your apps during development. We'll show you how to opt into developer mode on your devices and how to enable developer mode in your automation workflows. Can I say, yeah. can I throw something out? Please. Is this a way to do development for a iPhone without any sort of part to it? Oh, how does that make thought sense? About it. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way because mine was just a big question mark of what and why. But I feel like this is they're dipping their toes into, guess what? You're not going to have a way to hook up the iPhone to your computer. We created developer mode for you. Here's the first thing. So I'll, I'll say this. If it means, stop, <laughs> and you all know, what, if anyone that follows me on Twitter, say you it. know where I'm going. Say it. <laughs> if I... If I don't have to have Xcode prepare my <laughs> Apple Watch 50 times a day, that's the worst the price of entry right there. And in fact, uh, <laughs> I even posted on Twitter a tweet for this. Hope I don't get in trouble with Apple. When I installed the Xcode 14 beta, the first thing that comes up is a new window asking me which Yeah, framework. I saw that. Yeah. And so I didn't install the watch OS one and it didn't prepare my Apple watch. So <laughs> maybe, maybe they were thinking, look, we, we see you all complaining. We can't stop it. Let's just have a non-developer mode for everything. <laughs> That's worth yeah. the price of entry to me. You don't have to download the watch OS framework. Nope. So technically you can. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I haven't tried but... that yet. Yeah. I, I downloaded Xcode and have expanded the archive. My Mac studio is fast, but it's not that fast. Downloads still take a while. Yeah. So I haven't like really planned around the Xcode 14, but hopefully in the next episode I will. No, me neither. I just booted it up because it was like, is there some new interface? You know, I will say that the download was only like eight gigs something and it installed in no time, you know, the unzip, so on. So okay. I was impressed with that. I was like, well, even if you just fix that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking down, there's an, uh, yes, there's some other charts, ones, designing app experiences, all of those kind of things. The, the one that does, I don't think I've ever done this right. So one that I'm curious about, use Xcode to develop a multi-platform app because I think I've always done it wrong and I want to see what they have to tell me. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. And also this one just sounds interesting. Meet the expanded San Francisco font family just to see what they did there, you know. Oh, I didn't see that one. That's cool. So maybe there's, that's on the 8th. Maybe there's some new fonts. You know how they have those different versions. I mean, SF Frameworks is amazing. Oh, it Their is. Whole, they have got a couple of talks on Arabic, which I like. I was raised on uh, on the Arabic language. So okay. Uh, that, that, I don't know it, but I was but, raised yeah. on it. So that, that looks really cool, the whole right-to-left thing and stuff that they're really yep. adopting. It looks awesome. So, yeah. And then there's uh, Compose Custom Layouts with SwiftUI. So maybe that's the one that's going to answer all of our questions with yeah. that. that. That is definitely going to be interesting. That's going to be an awesome talk. Yeah. And, of course, as you mentioned, there is one on distributed actors as well. So Yep. 
Yeah, definitely people should take advantage of the labs and oh. slacks and all that stuff. This is your chance to talk to an Apple developer. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. If you do like that to me is way more important than watching these videos. These videos are great, but they'll be around for till the end of time. Probably yeah. he death of the universe. I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah. definitely like that. Like t- if you have a question for an Apple dev register for those sessions, do it. Yeah. You have to install WebEx, but it's worth it. Yeah. Um, I think it's <laughs> yeah. probably still WebEx. At least it's yeah. not teams. Well, you know, and I still have issues with that because it, I think you and I may, maybe mentioned this before. It's like, Apple, why are you not using your own FaceTime technology? What's up with that? You know, you'd think they'd use their own perfectly usable FaceTime, but I don't know. Yeah, right. What about you? Is there any other? I mean, I got like an endless list, I think. But is there anything else that jumps out at you? No, I think I went over my spiel. I think I, think I went over what I'm going to do. I joined the Slack. I'm looking forward to playing with some of this and probably some of it will crash, but it'll still be cool <laughs> to see. You. There's, I think there's some good opportunities here. Yeah. For devs as far as uh, what's out there. You know, for me, just playing with a lot of the Swift UI stuff is, is going to be interesting since, you know, I spend a lot of my time on my streams with, with that and people seem to be interested in this as they should be. I did notice, I just, as I was looking down my list here, there was some that I forgot to mention, but one in particular uh, use Xcode for server-side development. That I want to see what that's about. Like, well, what do you mean by that, Apple? So that that's going to be an interesting one. Where is that? Uh, this is on June the tenth. Let me uh, let me read the thing here. Uh, oh. Discover how you can create, build, and deploy a Swift server app alongside your pre-existing Xcode projects with the same workspace. We'll show you how to create your own local app and test endpoints using Xcode and explore how, yeah, you can structure and share code between server and client. That, that'll be interesting. Anything else you want to mention before we close out? No, I think, I think we've had so much, really just a phenomenal year. You know, I feel this year a lot more enthused going in than, than last year. Not to say that last year was disappointing, but I just want to jump on this stuff, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I'm going to be talking with Evan Stone. Oh, so nice. He's a, yeah. he'll be on the next episode. So if there's anything you see here that we did not cover, send me a DM. No, tweet at me. Tweet at me. Let me know if you have anything else you want me to talk about when it comes to WWDC. Hopefully I get this episode out as soon as possible. We'll see. But I'm always happy to have you on, Peter. This has been great. Thank you. It's, it's always a pleasure. This is our almost, what, not, is it bi-yearly or semi-annually? I forget. It's semi-annually. Yeah, semi-annually. You come yeah. on every six months. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter, where, well, you have the podcast, Compile Swift. You're Correct. CompileSwift.com. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your Compile Twitter's Swift. Compile Swift. Yeah. I, I try to make Compile Swift everywhere. Where's your live streams? So, um, there's there's two ways you can get to them. There's one which is uh, compileswift.live, but uh, primarily it's a Twitch stream. So you can go to, you know, like twitch.tv forward slash compileswift and uh, find it there. That's that's where we do the live streams. Uh, we have a fantastic chat room, and I want to give a quick shout out to them. Uh, part of the, the reason that I love doing the live streams so much is we have very knowledgeable developers in there and something that I'm very dear to my heart so many people come in there and and say, I want to get started with this stuff. And um, you know, and I always say to them, Great, ask as many questions as you want. I'm sure you're the same, Dion. Leo, every time mm-hmm. you someone says, 
you know, I want to get started with this stuff. It's like, fantastic. That, that's exactly what we need, more people in the community. But, yeah, uh, that's that's what the live stream is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug? No, no. It's always a pleasure to come on and, and talk with you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i not just saying it because I'm here, but, uh, you know, because as you know, I was listening to your podcast way before you and I even met. Just, again, the, the interviews that you've been doing, just fantastic. Thank you. Really feel like I'm sort of sitting as a third person in the room listening to you both talk. And, and it's, you know, it's fascinating. It kind of has, sometimes it has those developer, you know, that saying that they say like the NPR driveway moment where you're like, mm-hmm. I got to do a thing, but I want to stop and listen to the end of this. And I have that with, with your podcast when you're doing the interviews. It's like, no, no, I've got to hear this before I move on to my next thing, you know. So thank you for all the content you put out there. It's fantastic. Yeah. I appreciate it. We'll have to put like a Peter like dummy in the back or something. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So you could actually be that third person. That's it. Um, yeah. And just sort of move it on a wire every so often. to just people like, is he okay? You know? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Did you get a chance to plug everything, Peter? Yeah. No, that that's me. Compile. If you go to Compile Swift, you'll, you'll find me out there somewhere. That's all my app development. And like I said, if you were... If you made the foolish mistake to listen to this episode before listening to the one we did on the keynote, that's okay, I guess. There's no spoilers, but you probably should go back and listen to that episode we just released. Peter, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Leo. People can find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion. My company is Bright Digit. Go check out brightdigit.com where I post all the latest newsletters, articles, podcast episodes there, also on YouTube. And so if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on your favorite podcast player, please take some time and post a review. I'd really appreciate this. Retreat your favorite thing you've learned. Retreat or tweet at me if there's something you want me to ask Evan. Uh, Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to talking to you later more about WWDC. Have a good week, everyone. Bye.